Hello, welcome, and bonjour. My name is Josh Zucker, and I want to take you on a journey through some of the most exciting events of the late Middle Ages. Valois Burgundy was one of the medieval world's greatest polities, and its legacy can still be felt today. Its dukes inherited, conquered, and politicked their way into forging a state between the German Empire and the Kingdom of France that rivaled them both. From the Hundred Years' War to Hanseatic merchants, from urban workers to Joan of Arc, and from gallant knights to gunpowder weapons, the Grand Dukes of the West had a part to play in almost all of Western Europe's biggest developments in the 14th and 15th centuries. If you want to learn more about the glamorous rise and dramatic fall of the Valois Dukes of Burgundy, please join me for Grand Dukes of the West, a history of Valois Burgundy. Welcome to the Popey Podcast You Didn't Know You Needed, where we talk history through Pope-colored glasses and some of the craziest, most popular stories you've never heard of. It's a real joy for us to welcome you all here. I would like to invite each of you to listen. Do not be afraid. P.A. Domine, Dona e this is a popular popular podcast. Do not be afraid. Welcome to the Popular History Podcast. My name is Greg, and this is episode Ot Point Twenty, Part Two, and more wonders. This is a continuation of episode twenty of our world building series. So if you're lost, start at the beginning. If you're slightly lost, start with the last episode. Um, because you may have missed that there was a part one of this Miracles Roundup, during which I fell asleep while recording and started going on about uh, Jesus Christ casting out uh, deacons rather than demons. So we're going to go ahead and rehash that last little bit there and uh, make sure you get accurate information. I have not been idle in the time since we last spoke. Obviously, that was uh, coming out on Easter, that greatest of solemnities. This is coming out for the Feast of the Ascension, and then after that we'll have a Pentecost in about 10 days, and then things will pick up for a while. This actually will be the last time you will see a significant gap from me um, for the foreseeable future. I have over 50 episodes already scripted out, um, most of which are going to be the shorter episodes we'll be doing for Cardinal Numbers, the new daily show that we'll be premiering on June 29th. I'm very excited to mention slash allude that I will be recording with someone whose name rhymes with Harry Demons, um, I guess tomorrow night. Yeah, that's fun. Future Greg here with the uh, sound of a bouncing baby in the background, because sometimes babies need bounced. Um, Harry Demons is not the rhyme that I was looking for. I knew the name. I know the name. Um, it does not rhyme with demons. It rhymes with the Demons, I guess. Um, anyways, back to it. I just really wanted that to rhyme. So that will be the big intro for that. And of course, I'll also have that special conversation on this feed as well. So that'll be coming June 29th. After that, you'll be getting Cardinal Numbers as a daily show and Popular History on Solemnities. So lots of exciting stuff to look forward to and even... Between now and then, we've got a number of solemnities 
from Corpus Christi to the Feast of the Sacred Heart to Pentecost uh, to the Feast of St. John the Baptist. Basically, as you'll notice as we go, there are two very solemnity-heavy times of year, um, May slash June and December slash January. So you can almost think of this popular history as seasonal, but there's also sporadic solemnities at various other points in the year. So, yeah, we'll get the hang of it. I'm very excited to be with you all again, and let's go ahead and jump back in with our Miracles Roundup. The fifth miracle on our overall chronological list of miracles, which, as a reminder, is in our show notes, and uh, Miracles 1 through 4 were covered last episode. So, the fifth miracle on the list is actually a whole bunch of miracles described immediately after the scene we saw with Peter's mother-in-law, whose name was probably not Glophyra, but that's the closest thing to a name we have. In all three Synoptic Gospels, that's covered by this next, actually, group of miracles. So, let the wonder-working begin. Gospel of Matthew. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and healed all who were sick. The Greg says... Ah, cool. Okay, so uh, Mark, do you have any more specifics on that for us? Gospel of Mark. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. The Greg says... Evening... Many sick healed, many demons cast out. Cool. Like, do we have any uh, any specifics? How about you, Luke? Gospel of Luke. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. The Greg says... Well, okay. This apparent giant cluster of miracles is the sparsest description of any miracles we've had so far. For what it's worth, I did cheat a bit for comedic effect, cutting the ends of these sections, but we should look at those as well, because the actual end of the Mark passage is the same thing he did with the first demoniac he came across, quote, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him, end quote. Luke goes on further with what is definitely a pattern at this point, quote, And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. As we bravely progress through things, our next miracle will come from a whole new category of miracles, namely the category called, quote, Allowed Peter and his crew catch a surprisingly large amount of fish, end quote. Yes, that is, that is the name of the category in our Roundup of Miracles uh, link. Gospel of Luke. On one occasion, while the crowd was passing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The Greg says... Okay, you probably thought I was kidding you with that category name, but nope, it was as advertised. Also, apparently, casting out demons and healing the sick can't hold a candle to this particular category of miracles because it is indeed many fish time that gets the first batch of apostles to follow Jesus. We've actually already seen Peter, Andrew, James, and John before with the uh, mother-in-law healing, but the casting your nets into the deep scene here is generally taken to be their proper call to discipleship, hence the Pope's ring being the ring of the fishermen. Just to make sure you've got all the names of all the apostles for that test later, after Peter, Andrew, James, and John, there's Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the other James, known often as James the Less or James the son of Alphaeus, whichever seems the more kind distinguisher, Jude Thaddeus, whose often two-part name throws off verbal listings like this one, Simon the Zealot, a.k.a. the other Simon, and Judas Iscariot, the traitor, which is why the other apostle, who also happened to be named Judas, definitely would prefer to be known as Jude Thaddeus. Speaking of material you're of course going to be tested on later, I know we've still got a long way to go before we're ready to pass our comps on miracles, so let's brave onward. In one of his more classic healing miracles, Jesus heals a leper next, another event covered in all the synoptics. Gospel of Matthew. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Gospel of Mark And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him, and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out, and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. The Greg says... In the end of that passage, 
we see how Jesus gets mobbed when the word gets out, which may well be part of why he wanted to keep things quiet. As for the Gospel of Luke's account, well, Gospel of Luke. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. The Greg says, What was this offering that's being mentioned in every account? Well, Leviticus 14.4 says, The priest will command that two living, clean birds, a piece of cedar wood, a piece of red string, and a hyssop plant be brought for cleansing the person with the skin disease. End quote. As for what the priest is to do with those items, well, that's Leviticus stuff. Now, when he's not sending former lepers on low-level fetch quests, Jesus is known for healing the dependents of the upper crust, as he does in the next miracle. Gospel of Matthew. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you, as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. The Greg says, All right, fair enough. Can the description from Luke deepen our understanding? Gospel of Luke. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him the elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it.
When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. The Greg says, We do have large similarities here, but the fact that in Matthew it's presented as a fairly straightforward conversation, it's almost a Greek drama with a chorus of intermediaries, well, that's interesting. Like, the centurion and Jesus never actually speak directly in Luke, a nuance I never actually caught before. And that's not for want of reflecting on this exchange fairly regularly, since a form of it made it into the Mass. If you're curious, I've got the Latin memorized. Domine non sum dignus, ut entres subtectum meum, sed tantum dic verbo et senabitor anima meum. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Replacing my servant for my soul is a modification, sure, but, uh, well, we're talking Catholicism here. Sometimes the sense of things is more critical than the exact quote. The next miracle is quite evocative and is one of the more famous, so let's not delay. Gospel of Mark And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, laying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. The Greg says... Okay, so I may have gotten ahead of myself. If you know the story at all, you can probably recognize the one we're getting at, but Matthew has left out probably the most iconic detail. Let's try Mark. Gospel of Mark. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? 
But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and immediately picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. The Greg says, There it is, the roof thing. And what I really like about this one is that in each of the accounts, the actual healing of the paralytic isn't the main dish as far as Jesus is concerned. Rather, it's his mic drop moment after his ability to forgive sins is questioned. I mean, what are the scribes going to say in response? Let's let Luke finish us out here. Gospel of Luke On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee, and Judea, and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, and picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. The Greg says, Jesus' conflict with the religious authorities is expanded in the next miracle. And again, we have viewpoints from all three synoptics. So, as much as the idea of this scares me, nevertheless, I think I'm going to keep reading the relevant texts in full so we don't miss any of the miraculous flavoring of Jesus' public ministry. Let's start with, as usual, Matthew. Gospel of Matthew. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with the withered hand. And they said to him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you, who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. The Greg says, Oof. So, this miracle, it seems, was basically a trap. The account in Mark is similar. Gospel of Mark. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus, 
to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out, and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. The Greg says... And again, we have Luke. Gospel of Luke. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up, and stand in front of everyone. So he got up, and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good, or to do evil? To save life, or to destroy it? He looked around at them all, and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious, and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. The Greg says, At this point, we've got overall ten miracles under our belts, but we have yet to see Jesus pull out the big guns. Don't worry, that ends now with the following Luke-exclusive mega-miracle. Gospel of Luke. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up, and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up, and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And... God has visited his people, and this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The Greg says... Uh-oh. Guys, I know we just saw Jesus raise a kid from the dead, but I think Simon Peter's starting to nod off and lose interest because it's been a while since Christ did one of his nautical miracles on the Sea of Galilee. Let's remedy that with another synoptic roundup. <laughs> Gospel of Matthew. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, 
What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? Gospel of Mark On that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them on the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking onto the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Gospel of Luke One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? The Greg says, I like to picture all of these accounts ending with Jesus returning to his nap, since that was clearly his priority in this scene. In our next miracle, we see another take on Jesus banishing demons, including the fascinating wrinkle of Jesus taking requests from said demons. Gospel of Matthew and when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, Send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out, and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. The Greg says, This time, it's actually Mark that brings the extended edition with some pretty evocative imagery, and only one Gadarene-slash-Gerasene demoniac rather than two. Gospel of Mark They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. 
Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus, and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away, and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. The Greg says, And here we see a shift, with Jesus actually commanding the healed individual to tell his story rather than suppress it. By the way, the Decapolis is basically a group of settlements. And yet we do have one more, because that's right, this miracle is yet another Synoptic Roundup! Gospel of Luke Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, to let them enter those. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, 
And they came to Jesus, and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with them. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home, and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. The Greg says, You might have clocked how the response from the locals to seeing the menacing demoniac cured in these last two accounts has been to ask Jesus to please leave. One guess for why that might be the case is that Jesus had just finished sending a sizable chunk of the local economy hurtling headlong into the sea. Can't the locals see Jesus was simply following the humble requests of demons? I swear, sometimes there's just no pleasing everyone. The next miracle covers the most determined recipient since the paralytic, or at least since the paralytic's roof-removing friends. Synoptic Roundup! Gospel of Matthew. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Gospel of Mark And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and be healed of your disease. Gospel of Luke As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and though she spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, 
for I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The Greg says, This miracle is, in particular, popular around Eucharistic processions and adoration, with its focus on the nearness to Jesus as healing. Next up, we have a second resurrection. Admittedly, not as famous as the one after this that we'll get into, which is itself not as famous as the one after that. But don't sleep on this one, because it's enough for another Synoptic Roundup! In every telling, it should be noted that the first section, where Jesus' help is implored, is separated from the second section, where it is received, by the story of the miracle we just looked at, the woman with the flow of blood. So, insert her, and her determination, there, in the middle of these passages. Gospel of Matthew. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Hemorrhage break! And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. Gospel of Mark And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Hemorrhage break! While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher any more? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kuum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was twelve years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and told them to give her something to eat. The Greg says, Ah, so we're uh, back to telling not to tell. 
I also like the soft touch of telling folks around her to get her a good meal. Gospel of Luke. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd overwhelmed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. Hemorrhage break. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone about what had happened. The Greg says... After all the excitement of another resurrection and another synoptic roundup, we're due for a quiet stretch. And thankfully, we have one with a couple low-key miracles from the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew. And as Jesus pressed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And so their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. Back to the classic admonition to silence. And have you noticed the other theme of faith being what causes the healing? I don't want to give too much credit, and frankly there's a lot of charlatanism in it, but the faith-healing notion isn't springing up from nothing. How about a categorical combo? A mute demoniac, cured and physically healed at the same time. Gospel of Matthew. As they were going away, behold, a demon-possessed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. That'll be it for today. We'll go ahead and do the third part of our roundup of the public miracles of Jesus in our next episode on the Feast of Pentecost in 10 days' time. Thank you for listening. Thank you to all who helped me out on this show. There are so many of you. Oh, and happy Mother's Day to all moms out there um, and those aspiring to be moms and all the uh, relevant categories. Um, we are close enough, I think, that I can still wish those well wishes there. Especially happy Mother's Day to my own mother, uh, Rebecca, and of course, my wife, the mother of my children, Vice Pope, Mrs. Popular History, Mary. 
Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for listening. God bless you all. Detoxification.com presents how to pronounce Capernaum. Capernaum. <laughs>